0: Welcome back to Casual Climbers, the podcast by and for beginning hikers and those who may not quite be physically ready to tackle the Appalachian Trail. I'm your host, Donna Padrick, and alongside me is my husband and adventure buddy, Roy. Hi, Donna. Hi, Roy.
1: So in this podcast, we provide you with information, tips, and tricks on how to get into hiking in the Blue Ridge area. We will cover some of the hundreds of trails in the various parks in the region and hopefully entertain you a little bit along the way. We're two middle-aged, perhaps not in the best shape,
0: definitely not in the best shape,
1: hikers who love the outdoors and want to share our experiences with you. In this week's episode, we discuss the last trail in our Paris Mountain State Park series, the Sulphur Springs Trail. And we're also introducing two new segments to the podcast, fun facts and equipment reviews. And buckle in, listeners, this week's fun fact is a doozy. What do you say, Donna? Ready to get into it?
0: Yep, let's go so this week's <laughs> so this week we did the Sulphur Springs trail. Now, this is the longest one, I believe, right? By the numbers, the distance was four point one five miles from the trailhead. The time it took us to do it was two hours and thirty two minutes at a comfortable pace, and one hour and forty six minutes was. Our actual moving time. So our lowest point was 975 feet above sea level, and the highest point was 1,500 feet above sea level. It is pet-friendly, and the climb climb can be very tough for younger kids. The climb could be—it was tough for me at points.
1: Especially the first half, right? So the first half, the climb is— kind of grueling
0: it's not even the first half it's really just the first fourth a little bit more than a fourth of it so yeah because because that was 1.4 miles I believe when we got to the point where I was like okay I can do this
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's rough so the beginning of the trail is one that we've done dozens of times.
0: Well, the very, very beginning. Right.
1: The very, very beginning that takes you from the Sulphur Springs parking area to Mountain Lake.
0: Right. And that that part is a piece of cake. That's a really nice walk. And you get the reward of getting to that that waterfall dam thing. I wasn't cussing there. It's it's a it's a dam. But
1: She was cussing on the trail though.
0: <laughs> Past that point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and so for you listeners out there, if you want to check out uh what the waterfall there at the dam looks like, we recorded a short video that we'll put on the website and we'll put on YouTube on our Casual Climbers YouTube page. Yeah. So you guys can see what it's like.
0: Yeah, that's the one that's just past it's past you go past a, a gazebo. You actually go over two little walking bridges that go over um the the creek, stream, whatever. And they just redid the second little bridge that you go over. It used to not have handrails. It used to just, honestly, the second little bridge, uh, walking across it always felt very sketch to me. Uh, Because it would be easy to, it would have been easy to fall off of it and into the water. It's Not that far of a drop, you wouldn't die.
1: Right, it's about probably two feet off the creek. And the creek's not very deep, but you're right. The wood, there was no handrails and the wood was...
0: It wasn't, Aging. As, yeah, and it wasn't as Aging. wide as it is now. So now it's much nicer. There's handrails, and it's you can tell it's new wood. And also the gazebo, they um, redid the roof.
1: They did, yeah. That gazebo is really nice, and there's plenty of room. You can fit easily twenty people on the benches. Yeah, line the gazebo,
0: and they seem to have cleared the land a bit around the gazebo too. So not. I'm not sure why. Maybe but... they—they're
1: clearly doing work there. Yeah, they, they might want to make you know make that a an area where people can recreate. They might even put in a a, a uh, barbecue. There. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't I mean... know. They've done they've done a lot of stuff. You know, so that you're right. Getting from Sulphur Springs parking area, which is the trailhead, to the waterfall there at Mountain Lake. Is very, very easy.
0: That was like one of our first hikes that we did. We did that one and another short, easy thing. I think it was one of our first podcasts.
1: It was, yeah. Because we covered, in episode one, we covered the the uh, Sulphur Springs, the Mountain Lake Trail, which is very, very short. Yeah. It's very, very short. This is the very first part of the Sulphur Springs. But from there, from Mountain Lake, it gets easier. Right, Donna?
0: <laughs> After that, and keep in mind that here, it had, it had rained a lot this week. And it was, it, this weekend is going to be rainy. We went out and did this this morning before the, the rain is coming this afternoon. But, so, so the ground was slippery. The rocks were slippery. The wet leaves were slippery. It was... A little nerve-wracking, that by itself, but then climbing rocks to get up to the mountain lake area.
1: that's that's challenging. Yeah, that's challenging. The challenging the, part It's not exactly walking up a step either. Right. It's, yeah. It's very uneven rocks, some of them are very slick, like she said. and And then once you get up to the mountain lake, you think, okay, the t- challenging parts behind me. No.
0: Nope. No, there's more.: It to gets come. way,
1: way more challenging from there. but
0: but the reward, I mean you're you're hiking alongside the water
1: for 1.4 miles. It's... You're hiking along a yeah. stream. There are dozens of small waterfalls and water cascades. You can hear the stream just babbling all around you for the first 1.4 miles of the Sulfur Springs Trail, and it is glorious to walk along that tr- along those streams.
0: Yeah, it is. Pretty quick after, because because you kind of walk past the mountain, the mountain lake, and you're now going into like more of the stream or creek, kind of I guess what's feeding the mountain lake, and so you have to climb over this big rock, and I sometimes I think is it better to climb over this kind of going from a higher point to a lower point, or would it be better coming back? Because you could, it's a loop, so you could take it from the, you could take the easy way first, and then this would be the harder way coming back. We did the harder stuff first, and then had the easy way back. I think that was the right choice.
1: It is the better way, in my opinion, as well, because, for, for a number of reasons. One, if you do the harder stuff first, then you have the easier decline back. When you're already tired. Yeah. So rather than going two and a half miles and then having to do the decline on these these treacherous rocks. And I find going down, you know, difficult terrain is way more difficult and potentially dangerous than going up difficult terrain because your weight is already wanting to pull you down. So the chance of slipping and falling is much higher.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: we took lots of pictures on this. Yeah. Lots of pictures. It, this quickly cemented Sulphur Springs Trail as my favorite trail in Paris Mountain State Park. I absolutely loved every second of it, even though there were times in the first half where there were 23 degree grades going up.
0: Yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't super fun to me. Not my favorite thing, but, But you do, I mean, you're doing the difficult part and you have the reward right alongside of you. You hear the water. You can see the water.
1: There's plenty of places to stop and dip your feet in the water if you want to.
0: Yeah. Now, you say that. Okay. So let me clarify. There's no benches. There's no benches benches. where, where I feel like there should be benches. I needed a bench and it was not there for me.
1: Should we, should we ride in the Paris Mountain Ranger Station and tell them that I they mean, need to put a Donna Bench in?
0: 100%. Yeah, I, I think so.
1: But there are places, there are uh, logs that you could sit on. I there mean, are rocks that you could sit on. We have been in that area. Now, this is the first time that we did the whole Sulphur Springs loop. But we had done that portion of the Sulphur Springs Trail a, a few times. And it's always great to sit down you know look through the rocks in the stream for for a, a gem of a piece of mica or a nice piece of quartz or something like that yeah it's it's great i yeah. i absolutely loved it the challenge to me was well worth it it is it is more challenging the first half yeah than the brissy ridge at any point was
0: i would say that when we were about 1.2 miles in and i was just so tired of going up and i kept feeling like we have to be close to the top of this mountain by now. And I was looking to you for some encouragement. And, and so I was I was saying things like, we're close to the fire tower trail by now, right? And you, with your, like, Captain America attitude, no, I'm only going to tell you the truth. And you were like, no, we're still pretty far from it. You need to perfect the whole, like, blow sunshine up my butt kind of thing. I mean... There are there were things that you could have said, like you could have said, well, we're closer to it than we were at the beginning of this hike. Would that
1: really have helped, though?
0: I needed something and you were not.
1: (laughs) I don't think that would have helped. I don't know. because You would have been. Well, here's a perfect example, listeners. She was huffing and puffing at one point. And I I said, hey, honey, how you doing? And she gave me a very snarky response. I. uh... So I do not think. That me saying, well, we're closer than when we started would have been any help to you?
0: Yeah. So I am typically a very positive person and I try to be, you know, a nice person. I like I'm I'm empathic and I I like for me to be happy and for the people that I'm with to be happy. But you are
1: the nicest person I know.
0: I I was at a point where I, I had to explain to Roy that. I use the example of a woman in labor about to have a baby. What does she do when you try to comfort her? I mean, she she may bite your head off. And that was kind of, I was right on the cusp of being like, like do not try and comfort me in this moment because I am not sure I'm going to live through this because it was that hard for me to go up those last 0.2 miles of going up.
1: It's rough. And so I will post on the website, in the trail photo section, the escalation profile that Kamut gives you, and you will see what we mean by the first half being a consistent, pretty strong climb up.
0: It's up. It's just up.
1: It is. But again, yeah. I'm, first of all, you made it through like a champion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm proud of that.
1: As you should be. Because it is not. this is not even... Even uh, all trails, which caters to experienced hikers, calls this a strenuous hike.
0: Uh, yeah, At the first one point four miles of it.
1: This is definitely a break, a sweat hike.
0: Holy cow! Is it? Yes. And it was what fifty two degrees today. Um, when we started, I think it was like fifty two. Yeah. And my goodness. I was, this, is
1: a, this is a feel-to-burn
0: hike. I was sweating. I was yeah. really sweating. I mean, I, ha- I, I actually have a picture of me with my hair completely soaked in sweat. And this is, this is probably halfway through the hard part. I was sweating.
1: Yeah. It's no joke. For any of you listeners out there who are brand new to hiking, like brand new, this will be your first mountain hike I don't recommend doing this one as your first one because it is challenging. Unless, now, you're,
0: unless you're young and I don't know.
1: If you're young and unbreakable, sure. <laughs> that's fine.
0: Now, also, also, I wanted to point out there is this one section of this hike where if you're afraid of heights the, the path gets kind of narrow and it is pretty much straight down on your right hand side and it's pretty much straight up on your left hand side. Do you remember that part, Roy? I do. Yeah, and down, I mean, down there's the creek and stuff, but it is very pretty, but I I I'm not necessarily afraid of heights, but I got a little nervous just because again, wet ground, wet rocks, wet leaves, slippery stuff, so
1: You know, what's what I really loved about this and it goes to what you just said is when you're looking down, there's a creek down there and there is one section where there's this long waterfall, yeah, that's probably from bottom to top, maybe fifty feet, but it's it's just this long rock where water is just constantly flowing down. and it 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 looks kind of fun uh-huh. to, to slide down it, I'm sure it's sharp. It's not like sliding rock where you, you know, normal people can go and down. It's but
0: also not a not a gradual decline either. It's de- like I mean, I don't know it's it's Paris mountains um, Niagara Falls I mean it's, it's- I mean
1: yeah, I, I guess I don't know it, I don't want to mislead lead- listeners it it's not like the waterfall that you see there at the dam. it right. is a gentle waterfall going down the rocks, but to me it's there's nothing better in my opinion as a mountain hiker, a very inexperienced mountain hiker. there's nothing better than having Constant little rewards for your hike, like yeah. tiny views. little waterfalls, two, three, four feet, you know, and then pools of crystal clear water and the, the stream just babbling along. I, it's it it made the very challenging part worth every second.
0: Yeah. And the um the water was flowing really strong because of all the rain we've had, too.
1: Right. It was it was moving, which is always nice. Right. Yeah. But the second half, so the second half, it's almost a tale of two trails. Yeah. right? It's a totally different trail in the second half. It is a very gentle decline, lots of switchbacks on the way back. And normally I would find, you know, oh, it's gentle. And, and there's only one cross of a mountain stream on the way back.
0: But it is a very pretty cross. I of
1: really a mountain. actually enjoyed this. Yeah, Yeah. you know, the stream is not there. You don't have the, the pleasure of the stream to, for the most to part. guide you. Yeah, right.
0: except for that one little crossing area.
1: Right. But the switchbacks were nice. The, the trail is very well maintained. And I really, I, I enjoyed it. And there were some spots there where those trees, and we should we should have looked this up before we did this, but to find out what kind of tree it is. But there's one tree... That doesn't necessarily lose its leaves, but they get a real light shade of beige. Yeah. And they kind of just glow. Right. In the, in the forest that has no trees.
0: And today was an overcast day. And still those leaves just, you, we, we got to this one part of the trail and it was just like, we, we just walked into this beautiful color. And it, it's a feeling that you normally only get in the fall i think with the yellows and the reds and the oranges right but i got that feeling with these beige leaves on an overcast day which was impressive
1: it's it's really pretty great i i we'll find out what those trees are for the next episode listener or i'll put it in the show notes uh, of this episode when it drops on monday but it it really did add a nice bit of color to an otherwise otherwise pretty dreary day. Yeah. But the trail on the way back, like I said, it it was very gentle decline, lots of switchbacks.
0: There was a few times that we went up and then down some more, and I was very
1: little. Yeah, very I, little.
0: Because of the first half of the of the hike, I was a little bit grumpy about the times that we had to go up to go down. On the second half, because I was promised something different. (laughs) I was promised that we go up and then the next half is just going down. And that's not strictly true.
1: Well, but we're talking about two or three feet of an incline. Yeah. We're not talking about the 1.4 mile incline that we did at the beginning.
0: This is true, but my my thighs were letting me know (laughs) that... That was unacceptable in that moment. But I, you know, I did make it through and it was worth it. So I think that you would classify this trail. I mean, if we're classifying the, the trails on Paris Mountain, this was your favorite. This was like 10 By out By far my you.
1: favorite. By far my favorite. And, and Paris Mountain's got some really nice ones. It does. Some really nice ones. But this one, the first 1.4 miles is... Very physically challenging, but worth every sore muscle I'm gonna have tomorrow morning.
0: <laughs> I, I I think that I think that I would have taken my time a little bit more with that difficult part, or with the whole trail, really. If if the rain wasn't coming this afternoon, we were trying to beat the rain because we the you know you know the weather. The weather was saying that the rain was going to come in at eleven. 11 yeah. yeah, and they lied. Or <laughs> it wor- didn't
1: come in. No, it's still not raining yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. You could easily spend two hours just on the first half, three hours. Yeah. Just stopping and enjoying every little water cascade and waterfall. Sure. Little pool. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely could. I mean, I could totally see bringing some hiking chairs. You know, those little foldable small hiking chairs and packing a lunch and sitting in. There's one section that has a fairly large pool that is probably six, eight inches deep. I could totally see us bringing those chairs, sitting in, and having a lunch.
0: You're talking about those like, like, tr- try, like, um, stools? Right. Kind
1: of? Yeah. Those hiking stools. Right.
0: Huh.
1: They're super light. You can just pack them in the bag. Or, I've also or
0: seen, them. um, backpacks that, that you can fold into a stool, but you can probably couldn't put that in the water. I don't know where the backpack part of that stool would be.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, either way, it's, as you said, you could spend a lot of time just enjoying this trail. Yeah. So listeners, if you're going to do this trail, give yourself plenty of time to stop and smell the roses.
0: I mean, there's no roses. There's no roses. Yeah.
1: But in the spring, you can stop and smell the mountain laurels yeah. and the rhododendrons.
0: Uh, do, they, do the rhododendrons, do they smell? I don't know if they smell. I don't know
1: if they smell We're gonna or We're going to have to find out. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. That, and so here's some, some tips for you guys on where you can stop. On the very first part of the Sulphur Springs Trail, going clockwise, so starting at the parking area and going toward Mountain Lake and then around, there is the... There is the uh, pavilion area. The gazebo. The gazebo, thank you. That's there. Plenty of seating there. At the top of Mountain Lake, there is a bench before you start the real steep incline. Yeah. And then there's nothing until you get to the intersection of Sulphur Springs and Fire Tower. Yes. And from there, it's not right there at the intersection. You have to go left on the Fire Tower Trail. Probably about a quarter mile, and then there's a bench there, but we don't recommend doing that. The better option is to just take a right and continue on the Sulphur Springs Trail, and then there's a bench at the trailhead there, at the the topmost parking area. There's a bench there.
0: Yep, that's where we stopped and had lunch.
1: That's right. And then on the way back down, there's another parking area that has several picnic tables that is right along the Sulphur Springs Trail so you can stop there as well and there's like I said there's several picnic tables so you can stop there and and have lunch or just take a break. And then after that it's a pretty nice smooth hike down to back to the parking area and of course at the parking area there's tons of seating there's two giant pavilions there's a a wooden swing and there's bathrooms there. There are also bathrooms at the top of the mountain in the overflow parking area so if you need a bathroom halfway that's where you'd go to the overflow overflow parking area there's two two bathrooms we talked about those during the uh, brissy ridge and the pipsiswa trail one yeah so overall donna this is a on our scale of difficulty piece of cake
0: Uh No. <laughs> no? No.
1: Is it a feel the burn? Uh
0: what I for, what's our what's our scale again?
1: We have pe- piece of cake is the easiest. Uh-huh. Break a sweat is next. Okay. Feel the burn is the third most difficult and then pain bringer. We have not yet done a pain bringer.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe I guess maybe now that we've done all of them in Paris Mountain State Park maybe we Maybe there isn't a pain bringer one there.
1: I don't think there is a pain bringer one there. I think the first half of this one comes as close as anything there. Yeah. But I still think it's a feel to burn one.
0: Yeah. But that kind of makes me a little bit nervous about the future. Like, what are you going to expose me to with hiking trails, Roy?
1: I think we've already done one of the tougher ones in the area, Rainbow Springs. Yeah. That one's definitely a pain bringer. Yeah. So we're going to get to that in a, in a future episode. Uh-huh. So you're saying this is a field of burn? Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I think it's totally a field of burn. Now, if you wanted to, listeners, you could do the easiest part and, and just park at the top and walk down and then walk back up on the easy side. But if you do, you would be missing the most amazing part of the Sulphur Springs Trail, which is the first part of the clockwise portion, just north of Mountain Lake to the top of the trail. You'd you'd be missing out.
0: Yeah, I agree. You could, one time before we did this podcast, one time we we just hiked past um, the mountain lake. We hiked in, and it got challenging and difficult, and we turned around and hiked back out. So we did kind of climb that rock that you have to climb over both ways. It, It was a while back. It was when we first moved here almost, I don't know, what, eight months ago. So, yeah, uh, you, I would say it can be worth it to go in a bit and then turn around and come back out. But if you're halfway through doing the hard part, you might as well do the whole loop. You might because, as well
1: finish. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, it's so just so listeners know, I'm kind of a, in video game parlance, I'm a map completionist. <laughs> so I, I like to, if I start a, a trail or a loop? I like to finish it.
0: Or a so, whole state park?
1: Or a whole state park, and we did today. And we we mapped completed Paris Mountain State Park on yep. all the trails. Yep. So we we hope you enjoyed the Paris Mountain series. We we loved hiking these trails and these will be trails that we hike many, many, many times in the future. So I we'd love to hear from you guys what you think of these trails. Which was your favorite? Did we miss one? Is there a pain bringer that we didn't well, mention?
0: We still need to go do the music in the woods at the um. We very still, true. Yeah, yeah. There's that's very there's true. stuff at Paris Mountain we still need to do. So yeah, and we and haven't actually swam in the swimming area or we taken, haven't
1: we haven't camped
0: like, done we haven't done paddle boats or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's stuff there. There's Tons of stuff to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, so now it's time to move on to our uh, our new segments. So are we ready for uh, fun facts with Donna?
0: Yeah, I think we are. So we're going to talk about how Paris Mountain got its name. It was named after a man named Richard Paris, but his name was spelled pear, like P-E-A-R, like the fruit, and then I-S. So, Roy, you pronounce it Pyrrhus or something, but- P-E-R-I-S. That's I, that's
1: how I've heard it spelled, yeah. Uh,
0: how, how you've heard it- Pronounced. Pronounced. Um- I kind of wonder, though, if it was pronounced Paris, like pear, like like the fruit, and then is.
1: It's entirely possible, because I know that they've said that he has spelled it, he himself back in the 1700s spelled it P-A-R-I-S and P-E-A-R-I-S. Okay. So, so it, he kind of spelled it both ways.
0: I guess spellings. Of names was a little bit fluid back then
1: <laughs> i would think so
0: yeah i mean i don't uh, know whatever anyway this man was an indian trader and a british loyalist he moved to this area from virginia but history doesn't really paint him in a good light so how did a mountain in south carolina get a name like paris mountain it comes from from this guy his story is kind of crazy He was born in Ireland. Oh, good Irish lad. Yeah. In 1725.
1: FYI, prepare for terrible accents.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And his family immigrated to Virginia when Richard was 10. So by 1750, Richard owned 1,200 acres of land where he lived with his wife, Rhoda, and three children. Oh,
1: that's nice.
0: Yeah, happy little family. Little. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, good Irish family. Yeah. Just
0: planting trees and and crops in Virginia. Right. Wait for it.
1: told you it was bad.
0: By 1753, Paris was trading with the Cherokee Nation. Uh He and a partner opened a trading post in eastern Tennessee. During the mid-1750s, Paris also began trading with the Cherokee in South Carolina and fathered a son, George, by a Cherokee woman.
1: Now, hold on. This man was married mm-hmm, to Rhoda and they were in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And now he's got a side piece Cherokee
0: lady. Right. So Rhoda and the three children, I think, are still in Virginia. And he's just bebopping around trading with the Cherokee. And now he finds has... himself
1: a little hot Cherokee lady
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and and had a little baby.
0: I'm sure she was lovely. Um, I'm,
1: Probably. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. So Paris was. Widely known to be an alcoholic. Of course. So that kind of makes me wonder if Rhoda was, like, super okay with him (laughs) leaving. You think
1: so? She's like, hey, you know what would be great? (sighs) Go go far away. I mean, south and trade for, like, a long time.
0: Yeah. It's, It's this, like, business opportunity for you and i wouldn't want to hold you back so
1: that is a very supportive wife mm-hmm. that is a super. very supportive wife. yeah
0: i'll t- i'll stay here in virginia and take care of the kids and you you just go you go and do your trading i know it's going to be super hard work and oh
1: man yeah so hard for her that is a selfless woman right there
0: yeah so um yeah so he was an alcoholic and he fought in the french and indian war leading a company of Cherokee warriors on the Sandy Creek expedition in 1756. He served under the British general John Forbes when he captured Fort Duquesne, or mm-hmm. du- it looks like Duke It du-
1: looks like Duquesne. Yeah,
0: yep. Um, but it's Duquesne, from what I understand. Uh, and that was in 1758. So at the conclusion of the war, Paris became an Indian agent for colonial Maryland.
1: Okay, so... I want to recap here.
0: Mhm.
1: Born in Ireland. Mhm. To an affluent family.
0: Mhm.
1: Moved to Virginia. Mhm. Got married. Owns 1200 acres of land.
0: Right, Rhoda and three kids. Mhm. Yeah. So
1: just just a good family man at this point. Yep. Started trading with Cherokees.
0: Mhm.
1: In Tennessee and then moved to South trading North. in South Carolina.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Has a side wife. Yeah. Cherokee lady and a baby named George. Right. Big old drunk. Fought in the French and Indian War. And now is an agent to the Indian peoples for Maryland.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so that's, let's see. I don't know what year he was born. 1725?
1: 1725.
0: Okay, so this is 1758.
1: Okay, so he's, gosh, he's 33?
0: Uh, he's done a lot.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of living in 33 years.
0: Yep. Yeah, it gets better, though. Let's see. In 1770, so you said he was born in 1725?
1: Yep, so he is, what, 45 at this okay. point?
0: Yeah, and this is when um he forges letters from Cherokee leaders Declaring the Indians' willingness to cede the land, to cede land that they own to the colony of Virginia. Paris also claimed a deed from the Cherokee of 12 square miles in the area that is now Greenville County, South Carolina.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, so he forged letters from Cherokee people, right? Who had their own language at this point, by mm-hmm. the way, and saying, oh, no, no, we're totally fine giving. Yeah. land to Virginia for right. some reason. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um yeah. And then
1: and then he he just claimed a deed of 12 square miles here in Greenville.
0: Uh, that's what it says. Yeah. Mhm. Okay. Square miles. yeah. Um Indian interpreter John Watts wrote the British Indian Superintendent John Stewart that Paris was quote a very dangerous fellow who will breed great disturbances if he is let Alone, for he will tell the Indians any lies to please them.
1: Okay, so just just a totally normal, totally upright citizen who forges letters and is a big old drunk.
0: Right. I'm going back to I think Rhoda is doing better in Virginia without him in her life.
1: I can't imagine she's missing him. Right. right? I'm
0: thinking that her three children have a better chance because they don't have this man's influence in their life.
1: Yeah, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Just I don't know why my, my mind keeps going back to, to Rhoda. Yeah, it's
1: going back to Rhoda. I remember when you were writing this up, you were, you were trying I, to find more information I on was. Rhoda. She probably was just like, just leave me out of his name. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that yeah,
0: guy. Yeah. <laughs> Le- keep his name out your keep mouth. Keep my
1: name out your mouth. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I wonder if she was, like, reading the news about what he was doing and being like, yep, uh-huh, that tracks. That's about right. I'm going to go
1: back to my maiden name, <laughs> if
0: that's okay. Oh, my God. And I feel bad for the the Cherokee Indian lady that, um, yeah, his, his second wife.
1: Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we don't know, though. Maybe he was a great second husband to her.
0: I don't know. There's just something in my gut that tells me. I mean all this all this stuff that he's doing like forging anyway yeah just tells me that he's he's an alcoholic and an opportunist <laughs> I will say that right So with the help of an Indian ally Paris secured approval of his land grant from the chiefs at Chota apparently in exchange for the cancellation of their trading debts but in 1772 Stuart complained to the wait, Stuart complained to the governor of South Carolina that Paris had gained his title by getting the Cherokee leaders drunk. The governor then urged Stewart to pr- prosecute Wait 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 wait. Wait.
1: What? He he got the the land from the Cherokees by having a big old kegger?
0: I mean, okay, so so I kind of wonder here. I wonder if 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 like it's one of those things where he was like This is going to be so embarrassing to them that they'll never say anything about it. So I'm going to get away scot-free. I kind of wonder because it, it, you know, I mean, the Cherokee people are slash were slash are a proud people. Very, very. Yeah. So to to admit, you know, that, hey, he schnookered us by getting us drunk. I I
1: guess. But I would think more than that, they'd be like, okay, now he dies.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That is a very fair point. Yeah, I, this
1: guy is becoming more and more unlikable as you go. I, I know. cannot wait to hear more.
0: Uh, I it's making my head hurt though. Like I'm, I I'm trying to find a redeeming quality in this man. Okay, so yeah, um, the governor then urged Stuart to prosecute Paris for violating a 1739 statute that forbade British citizens to s- to own Indian land. So good on the British, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, we don't know what the impetus to that was. It might have been like, you can't own it, but the king can. (laughs) You know?
0: That's true. All hail the king. (laughs) All right. So, meanwhile, while this is all being discussed about whether or not he can own this land, Paris has begun to transfer the land to other whites.
1: Of course he did. Yeah. Of course he did. Because he would not be him. If he didn't do another terrible thing.
0: I, yeah, I kind of, I, I actually looked up, because reading, you know, looking this stuff up, I, I started thinking, maybe we should go back to naming Paris Mountain, whatever it was that the Cherokee were naming.
1: 100% on board with that.
0: But I looked it up, and it just, what I found was that the Cherokee name for this type of mountain is a mananaduck or something? Mananad. Man- yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not an ad. So I didn't really find, like, what they called it. But, I mean, I don't, and, and honestly, it doesn't fix anything. It
1: doesn't fix anything, but anything they could have called it, I'm sure, was 100% better.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, you know what? It's Paris Mountain. This is the name that has yep. stuck. And I'm actually glad at this point that... It's misspelled. <laughs> oh, 100%.
1: Yeah, 100%. Let's
0: just say the name is really about The Paris name's Paris. after
1: uh, our sister city, Paris, which is not our sister city, but nobody looked too deep into it.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So. So, in 1773, a judge found Paris guilty of holding Indian land, and he surrendered his deed. But the following month, he secured another deed from Cherokee leaders, granting his Cherokee son, George more than 12 square miles of land most of which George then conveniently transferred to his father
1: wait wait okay so so the judge told him hey bro you can't you can't with this give it back and he's like fine i'll give it back and then he just got the cherokee to give his half cherokee son the land and his son was like here dad <sighs> it's so awful.
0: So, I so we went to Cherokee, North Carolina and we learned that um the Cherokee people uh they they were or I don't know if they still are, but they were more uh, like the woman had power and control.
1: They are a matriarchal society. Thank you. Yeah. Yes.
0: So, I wonder if this Richard Paris was he was benefiting from both societies. So, he was re- benefiting from the fact that so, his son George, having a mother who was Cherokee, that was the more important thing, right? In the Cherokee Nation. But the fact that whites at that time and somewhat still today, they definitely want to look at a man for like ownership of, of things like land and that kind of thing. I think he benefited from both societies.
1: I mean, it certainly sounds like it, right? Like yeah. he's doing everything wrong and still getting.
0: Still coming out, smelling- He's still getting
1: like, rewarded. Yeah,
0: roses. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the 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 land that he transferred to his father includes what is now State uh, Paris Mountain State Park. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, I mean. The- Thanks, George. <laughs> okay. You so, know, what? if
1: they had just left it, George, I would be okay with it
0: because uh, the
1: kid probably didn't do anything wrong, right? Sure. He was just born, not his fault.
0: Yeah. So, Harris served under the British during the Revolutionary Wars. Oh, God. As a, it's a Tory <laughs> he captain. He keeps
1: getting worse. Yeah. As if he wasn't bad enough, he's now a Tory. Uh.
0: Yeah. But he was captured in 1775 and held in Charleston for nine months. woo When he found his Greenville plantation and home had been burned, he left for British West Florida, which is now Alabama and parts of Louisiana and Florida. He continued to serve for the British Army during the war and was captured again in 1781. So
1: he's bad. He, he's, not, he's not a good soldier then. Well. Sounds like. I mean. Captured twice.
0: Yeah. Okay. So 1781. He was born in 1725. He's old. So older. that's
1: what, 56? Yeah, he's 56?
0: I mean, so I'm 54 and I I can't imagine going off to war.
1: Yeah, but he's not, I mean, he he's a captain or whatever at this yeah. point. He's sitting on a horse, not doing a bunch of stuff. Oh,
0: okay. All right. Well, then there's that. Also, I was thinking about the fact that he was an alcoholic, so his liver might not be too happy with oh, it's, him it's, at this point.
1: Yeah, it's a shriveled husk at this point.
0: So, I mean, and, and we're talking about alcohol that was made back then. I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I mean, so there, there are two schools of thought on that, right? Good wine. Was really good, but bad moonshine and swish was really bad, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Okay, so General Andrew Pickens saved him from being killed by fellow prisoners who (laughs) hated him (laughs) and was sent in a boat down the river.
1: That's awesome. Get out of here before your own people murder you.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one way of getting out of prison. I I guess.
1: Hey, I got to go because everybody hates me. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I thought our society was a little soft today, but I don't know. Um, he eventually was given land in the Bahamas by the British monarchy and paid for the South. He was paid for the South Carolina land that he never legally owned.
1: So a judge said, you don't own anything, white guy. And the king's like, well, of course you do. Here's some money. Yeah. It's a terrible king accent, by it, the way. It, well, it, I'm not yeah. proud of that.
0: No, but it, it almost was like a German king. But... I guess it's kind of almost German. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wait,
1: so, it, listeners, when there's Scottish stuff coming up, I will nail it. Yeah. But outside of that, it's pretty bad. And some of my stuff borders on racist. Oh.
0: I'll well, try to
1: stay away from those.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. So.
1: So he was paid for the land that he never legally owned and given land in the Bahamas.
0: Yeah, and here, here's, here's an interesting fun fact about him, too. His wife, Rhoda, his three kids, his Cherokee side wife, and George, her, her kid, his kid with her, they were all left behind in the United States. And so I'm thinking that when he got this money for this, this land that he never legally owned, I, I'm not thinking he sent any of it to any of the um, any of
1: the wives or kids. Hundred percent, he didn't. Yeah. So, so he was like, you know what? I'm out. I'm I'm just gonna yeet up out of here. I mean, without my family and start. You know, he's got a Bahamas side wife down there. Oh God. you know he does. I, I
0: actually did look look up what he looked like, and he was kind of good looking. Was he good looking? Yeah, and he <sighs> must have had some some serious like, he must have like had some charm.
1: I mean, clearly, right? Because he's charming these Cherokee people. He was charming the British. Yeah. Yeah, he was probably very charming.
0: Yeah. Couldn't charm him in jail, though.
1: No, they hated him. Yeah. 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 Well, he didn't
0: have alcohol either in jail, I'm guessing. Yeah.
1: I think they did give wine to prisoners back then. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But he's so, so he, he scooted out to Bahamas to sip rum drinks out of a coconut while his family, families, plural, are up here. Left holding the bag. I wonder if George got to keep the land.
0: uh I don't know
1: though because it doesn't. Yeah, it, you said that he he signed it over to him. Signed it over to George. George signed it over. Oh, to, oh yeah, back, back over to his dad. Yeah, yeah. uh So he probably got nothing. Rhoda probably got nothing except his absence, which might be a boon.
0: Right. I. I it sounds like it was.
1: Yeah. That's a crazy story. That is bananas.
0: It is. Yeah. Um so I don't know. Um,
1: I like these fun facts with Donna. These are fun. I
0: I it, I feel really sad right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so folks, that's how Paris Mountain got its name after that guy.
0: Yeah, I'd love to be wrong about this stuff, but this stuff came from where did it come?
1: From? You have multiple sources. Yeah. And we'll put all all the sources in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, so we don't want to take credit for anybody's writing. Right. We'll put the Show notes in there.
0: Yeah. Well, that was fun facts. Uh huh. That's pretty
1: great. <laughs> so now we're gonna get to the second new segment we're gonna do, and that is our equipment reviews.
0: It's gonna be a much happier, happier. Uh, well, it's not a story. It's we're just reviewing. It much
1: over. happier segment. Yeah, yeah. Though I did enjoy this one.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you did.
1: So in our new segment, product reviews, Donna, we're gonna talk about something that we have mentioned in every single one hiking poles. Yes. So I use the Cascade Mountain Tech trekking poles. You can find them on Amazon. The cost is about $30. Now you could spend several hundred dollars on trekking poles, but honestly, if you're a beginning hiker, I don't recommend it. I mean, you're welcome to spend your money however you want, but start low and find ones that you're comfortable with. There's no need, in my opinion, to start with $300, you know, tungsten carbide uh, hiking poles. So the Cascade Mountain Trek uh, Tech trekking poles that I use cost $30 on Amazon, and I love them. So here's some of the features. They only weigh 10 ounces. They're made of lightweight aluminum. My hiking poles, they're different than Donna's. She's going to go over hers. Have both a cork and a lower EVA grip, so you can use either one. What the cork gives you is impact resistant so it it kind of takes some of the shock absorption if you're using the the tungsten carbide tip without any feet on it it takes some of that off both of ours have adjustable straps for wrist wrist comfort both of ours have a 26 inch to 54 inch adjustable length so you can expand them to 54 inches if you're really tall Mine comes with five tips. The, the built-in tungsten carbide point for regular trail use or rocks, gravel, anything like that. It also comes with a rubber boot, which is what I have on there almost all the time. I would say all the time. I don't think I've ever used any other tip on it. It's just a nice rubber boot. We're going to put pictures on our trail notes of our hiking poles so you can see what we mean. The rubber boot is really nice. It's got grips on the bottom. And it really helps uh, climbing up or coming down from inclines or or rocks. It also has a snow basket, which is kind of a wide piece of plastic that fits on the bottom to help give you some uh, grip in the snow. It's got a mud basket, a little bit smaller without any holes so that it can grip the mud. And it has a regular walking foot on it for Clean, clean, straight paved walkways. It's not The walking foot is not really designed for trails. There are two types of uh, locking mechanisms for the extension that you can find on, on uh, trekking poles. There's the adjustable lever lock mechanism, which is what I have, and there's the twisting lock mechanism, and we have used those, and Donna will tell you about those in her segment, uh, and We don't care for those. So the Cascade Mountain Tech trekking poles that I use have the adjustable lever lock mechanisms, got two of them, and they're great. So I've had these for nine months, and they're just as good today as they were on day one. I love having them on difficult terrain, and just as importantly, they help keep my arms moving, and they give me great balance and stability going down declines. Donna, why don't you tell me about yours?
0: Okay, so mine are the Trail Buddy trekking poles. I also got them on Amazon. They average in price $32-ish, but I looked on it today and there was, it's funny how like different colors will be on sale. So this one color, I think yellow is $29 and then the purple ones were $21. So they're, I'm sure they're all the same. (laughs) Sometimes I shop on Amazon and I will just buy the cheapest color because I like all the colors, but yeah i i I do like the locking mechanism that you were talking about the um it's almost like like if you know the locking mechanism for a bicycle seat, like the lever thing underneath the bicycle seat, it's like a you can kind of tighten a screw and then is that how they are That's
1: right, yeah, you yeah. tighten the screw. And you can push the clip down right. to lock it in place.
0: Yeah. So, um, but I did, I did have the other kind. Just, I briefly had the other kind with. She the, hated it, it. I really hated it because I couldn't the screw kind. I honestly, I I have a little bit of arthritis in my hands, and the screw kind just couldn't couldn't figure it out. Like the, it's the
1: same twist lock mechanism that you find in like. Curtain rods where you twist them, except for some reason, it was always such a pain to get them going. Some people might love them. The, the one benefit to the twisting lock mechanism is that they're slightly lighter because they don't have the lever locks, but we're talking one or two ounces, not a huge difference. And
0: I can do the curtain rod thing. The curtain rods, that's not a problem at all, but these, I don't know. They, there were, was tough. Just, they were tough. They just bought me, um, and it might have just we might have gotten some faulty poles, so I don't know. But anyway, I like my my ones with the other kind of the the locking mechanism that like you have. They're lightweight aluminum. They weigh they weigh nine point seven ounces.
1: A little bit lighter than mine.
0: Yeah, yeah. just a tiny bit. Cork and EVA grip. I never use the wrist thing. I don't know why, but they have a wrist strap for. For comfort, I I may at some point. Yeah,
1: I find the strap is good for you know if you're on a long hike, like six, seven miles, and your hands start to get tired of gripping, you can let the wrist strap do some of the work for you instead of your hands doing it. And also, it's just so you don't lose them.
0: Right, right. Yeah, twenty six inches to fifty four inches adjustable length. They come with four tips. Yours come with five tips. So, yeah, tungsten carbide points, snow basket, mud basket, and walking foot. I typically just keep it on the walking foot like you do.
1: Well, we yours didn't come with that uh, rubber boot with oh. the the strings on it, but we got them, so just so you know listeners, you can buy replacement trekking pole tips, and I got some some of the uh rubber boots that I have on mine for her, and of course they fit because typically the Trekking poles are universal ends.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I I actually am curious about hiking with them without anything without any of the things on the bottom. Just the. It's almost like a.
1: Just the tungsten carbide point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wonder if I I saw some people on the trail with that, and I kind of wonder if that might be better more secure you know like it's a point that would go down into the dirt or in between rocks or something like that and on a slippery day like today was I wonder if that would would have been better
1: I don't know if it would have been better on those slippery rocks because there's nowhere for it to go but I I, what I like about the the rubber boot with the grips on the bottom is that it it really does grip the rocks pretty well. I mean,
0: it's like the bottom of your hiking boot.
1: Right, right. It's that kind of rubber.
0: Yeah, um, and and it's got a little bit of a tread to it. Right. Yeah.
1: Those stay on mine. I I rarely take them off.
0: Yeah, I haven't taken mine. I I forgot that you had gotten things for them, but yeah, two adjustable lever lock mechanisms and. So we took just one hiking pole with us on this hike today. And really, the all of the hikes in Paris Mountain, I took just one hiking pole. For the hard part, there were a few times when I thought, kind of wish I had both of them. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't bring poles. I guess I just wanted one hand-free.
1: You didn't You didn't feel like you really needed them. Mm-hmm. There was a couple parts where it probably would have been...
0: Climbing over rocks.
1: Right. For me... The hiking poles are much more useful going down declines. Mm -hmm. They really give you balance. That's where I find the trekking poles are the most useful, is going down declines. So would you recommend these to others?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. The Trail Buddy trekking poles or the Cascade Mountain Tech trekking poles. Either one.
1: Yeah, and so, again... Listeners, we're not endorsed by anybody. We paid for these, so right. it's not like we were giving them for free. Feel free to shop and get whatever you want. Our whole point is these are ones that we bought, fairly inexpensive, and they work perfectly.
0: Yeah, the Trail Buddy Trekking Poles, I when I looked at it today, the one color that was for some reason just $21 was purple. So if your favorite color is purple and you want some purple trekking poles... Maybe today is the day to get them because they're on sale on Amazon. So
1: yeah, and if you're a couple like us, and you want to just see if they're good for you, just buy one set, and you can you can each use one.
0: Yeah, but purple's a girl color, so guys can't use. Purple. I wouldn't.
1: I wouldn't mind using purple.
0: Would you not? No. Okay. It was a really pretty purple. It's a
1: nice purple. Yeah. So that's our review for this week, guys. Uh, the Cascade Mountain Tech tracking poles and the Trail Buddy tracking poles. Both winners, both fairly inexpensive. You can get them on Amazon. You can also shop at REI or Outdoor Academy or Hibbit Sports, any major sporting goods place and find them. You know, we we typically go to Amazon first because just the prices are cheap and we don't like to fight stores. So we yeah. we, we order from Amazon. But you know, get them wherever you want. Yeah. And and honestly, you could even you can even make your own from a piece of driftwood or stick. It doesn't really matter. We do just recommend having them on a lot of trails. There are some at Paris Mountain where you absolutely don't need them at all, like the, like the, the Lake Loop down at the bottom. You don't you don't need a, a trekking pole there at all. We carry them just to keep our arms active.
0: Yeah, I just realized that two of my stepsons, their favorite color is purple, and I just said that purple is a girl. <laughs> I know, color.
1: right? So those <laughs> are those are, and both of those. Stepsons are Navy, one's a Navy vet and one's active duty Navy. Yep. Then you just called them girly.
0: You can cut this part out. I'm
1: not going to cut it out. (laughs) They're going to listen to this. They're going to know what their wicked and evil stepmother said.
0: (laughs) Shout out to Nico and Morgan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She called you girly, boys.
0: Uh Uh-uh, I did not.
1: (laughs) So that's our show for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. We covered the Sulphur Springs Trail. At Paris Mountain State Park, it's a fantastic trail. It's definitely a feel-to-burn trail, especially the first half going clockwise. It is brutal on the legs and thighs, but worth every ache and pain you may feel from it. So be sure to check that one out. Maybe not as your first mountain hike ever, but definitely put it in your list of trails to hit while in the upstate South Carolina. Area.
0: Yes. And thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to us in whatever podcast app you use and be sure to leave us a review. That's how our show grows. Feel free to check out our trail photos at casualclimbers.podbean.com. If you have a question, comment, or just want to drop us a line, you can reach us at casualclimberspodcastgmail.com. At we will see you out on the trails.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to have a purple shirt a purple pants a purple hat
0: purple hiking purple boots.
1: hiking boots i'm gonna be all decked out in purple you look like time, prince donna i'll, I'll look like <laughs> Prince. <laughs> I all like... right guys we're gonna get out of here on that
0: okay <laughs>
1: see you out, see you out there
0: see you on the trail